0: You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. Hello, and welcome to this edition of Orange County's longest running business talk show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. We have a fantastic show planned for you today. Why do you ask? Because Amorea Olson co-founder of Olson Capital Investments, is our guest. Welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Rick. Glad to be here.
0: Let's get right into it. So you're the co-founder of Olson Capital Investments. Why don't you describe for us the history, your backstory, your origin story? How did you become an entrepreneur, Amara?
1: Yeah, it's a pretty interesting story. Actually, I grew up um, on a small farm in Tennessee, um, I didn't have any, uh, I guess what you would call typical education. Um, my family basically lived on a commune, so I think this, I think that was the kernel of what started like the entrepreneurial spirit. Because right from the get go, you're not living within society's constraints and the boxes that you know that you're taught to go down when you go through the schooling system. My dad was an entrepreneur, he owned um a small portfolio of um, retail businesses and we, I had actually started with a family business. We started an advertising company. So we were doing television commercials for um, different clients like the Marines, the uh, uh, NASDAQ, uh, Nickelodeon and other regional clients in the Carolinas. And during that time, Um, we kind of started growing that business, but then 2008 hit, a lot of people pulled back on advertising and we wanted to kind of expand to the next level. So we thought, well, why don't we take, and we had also done a lot of like short films and stuff, which won some Emmy awards. And then, so we're like, why don't we do feature films? So at that point in time, we started a a production company to produce action movies, try to raise capital and financing for that and completely failed. Went back to the drawing board and said, okay, well, how do we, how do we build our own capital? And that's when we started our investment company. We started buying and selling small, like fifty thousand dollar homes. And within the first year, we'd made about a million dollars of equity, which we then put lines of credit against. We then financed our movies with that, and then we kind of segued into buying more real estate, doing some movies, buying more real estate. And 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 you know, I was working, I was working eighteen hours a day, seven days <laughs> a week in the film. <laughs> But, in the, but on the real estate side, I was working a couple hours a week, but I was making millions of dollars. So, it, it, you know, at some point we said, let's just focus on this investment stuff because this is where the money is. Maybe we'll do some films later, you know, but then that in 2017 kind of then transitioned straight to the investments and have grown the portfolio 10 times since then. And now it's a 60 million portfolio.
0: You use the term we, who else, who, who are the other co-founders with you?
1: So my brother is my is a co-founder with me. We've done everything together since the beginning wow. and, um, it was challenging dealing with a sibling on the creative businesses because creative ideas can clash,
0: Right.
1: the businesses we're in now, what's your finance. It's very easy. There's a singular goal, maximize the ROI, minimize the time, right? Velocity of capital and return. So we're completely on the same page in this investment company and have been for some time. And that's probably part of our success.
0: So so I'm going to back up just a bit. How did you get from a commune in Tennessee to living in Orange County, Southern California?
1: Well, um, probably around the end, probably around like 2017, 2018, I realized that you know, I wanted to change an environment. I was changing my career full time into investment and my life was good. I was focused on, I want to build a life and a base because my health had really got gotten deteriorated from the amount of work that I was putting in from the other industry. So part of that was, okay, where's the most beautiful place to live? Where's a good environment and how am I going to build a lifestyle that then underneath the lifestyle is going to be, passion projects that I like doing, but not where you try put the passion first and you try to make it make money, which is, mm-hmm. just doesn't work.
0: And so when you spun the wheel, Orange County came up as the I, the ideal place. Yeah, I, just, I
1: just literally got an airplane flew to California and um, just was like, okay, I love it out here. I well, I've been out here a couple of times because in the film industry, you know, I did meet yeah. with movie studios. My movies were distributed through Sony and stuff. I had a producer friend that lived out here. So it's not like I hadn't been here a couple of times. I like the environment. But then I just flew out here. I was like, let's just check it out. I'm going to take a one-month vacation. I was just going on the trains and stuff, going to the beach, literally doing nothing, taking the scooters around and just thinking about life. And I was like, okay, I'm going to move out here. And then, when I was, and then when I started coming out here, I was like, well, where's the nice places? So then it ended up being Malibu, uh, Laguna Beach, um, or, kind of, or or maybe like the whole... Uh, um, uh, San Diego mm-hmm. or kind of the three spots that I liked and this just well I actually ended up buying two investment properties up in Orange County so this ended up being like well I'm close to those properties and I'm close Yeah, you know, I can jump on an airplane around here I can go see my other properties in Arizona and Texas so um,
0: Is your brother out here with you?
1: He is not yet he's still in Atlanta but he will be moving here within a few months
0: Yeah, Good choice having Having been to Atlanta and living in Orange County, I'd vote for Orange County if I had a choice. I mean,
1: once I ended up on this hill here, top of the world in Laguna Beach, it was like, okay, that's where that's where I want to retire. So, you know, I kind of got my eyes set on that right before the pandemic and then um, made the move.
0: And Mariah, I'd like to learn a little bit more about your firm and the investment philosophy. So take me through sort of the evolution of the firm.
1: Yeah. So, okay. Well, in the beginning, it served a singular purpose, which was raise capital to do films with, which it served its purpose well. And at that point in time, we were not seasoned investors, but we were able to find properties that were undervalued, bank owned, REO, you know, had problems and we would buy those properties and we would fix whatever is wrong with them with minimal capital injection and usually be able to double their values which would 2, two to 4x our down payment pretty quickly within 12 months, right? So I guess kind of that was so good in the beginning that we just were sort of like that, that's all we knew. It was like, well, you got to 2 or 4x your money in a year. And we did, I never even thought like, oh, investors buy properties and they make us 8% return. Like that, you know, was not even something that, that I knew existed at that point in time. Um, so our philosophy pretty much is the, is is has been the same, but we moved from the single-family residential to co- large commercial buildings. A lot, my last two flips are like 130 apartments each. Mm-hmm. So those, um, but we're still doing the same thing. We take a property, it has it's mismanaged, it has bad financials and we build marketing funnels and we lease the thing up and we push the rents a few hundred dollars and then we sell it and you know because the the new numbers we're able to hopefully two to three x our um initial equity
0: is the risk greater in the commercial side than what you were doing in single family homes
1: it's not it's there's actually um i believe it's lower risk because you have two exits, you're not just reliant on the um, home buyer market, which is very fickle. And if rates rise, they can't afford it, et cetera. You have a rental income stream, a solid asset, and you have your value increase. And you also have multiple units in that asset. So it's a lot lower risk from my perspective. And if you're buying an asset, let's say it's a $10 million asset, um, or let's say it's let's say it's a t- you pay 10 million dollars for it but its value is 15 or 20 million when you're done with it and you need to put in let's say one or two million dollars to get there but you have that that huge headroom so when interest rates rise let's say you bought that thing in a four or five cap environment and it went to a five or six cap environment right so it went from 10 million down to an eight million dollar value but, you, but you're still valuing it at 15 to 20, So to 15 to 20 maybe it comes in at 13 15, you're still winning no matter what, no matter what the market does, because you're always riding below the market. market's going like this, but you're always coming in below it. So the value the add strategy works across, seems like most asset classes. It works across businesses, works across multifamily, it works across hospitality, it works across single family, but fem- single family is more risky because a lot of times, it's harder to make the rent, the rent versus mortgage deltas work correctly, because it's it's just it's more based off of like I said, a, just a, a fickle market because it's 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 just it's just people. It's not, and you and
0: your brother have been doing this since twenty seventeen? Is that right?
1: No, we've been doing it since two thousand and twelve.
0: Oh two thousand and twelve. Okay. Yes. So you well it was so it was our side hustle that was
1: <laughs> it was our side hustle but it was making us ten times more money than our main hustle. So in two thousand seventeen we said we're gonna focus a hundred percent on the side hustle because it's just way better.
0: So From, you say your your father was an entrepreneur when you were growing up as well, yes?
1: Yeah, he had built a small portfolio of retail businesses across the um, I guess, like the the South.
0: Okay. And, and did you observe things from him as an entrepreneur? Did you pick up some ideas? Well,
1: um, yeah, because, like I said in the beginning, when you don't know anything about business, you got to learn about taxes and insurance and liability and LLCs and you know all these all these terms that you can't just you're not just going to know. So the basic business term terminology. I feel like I learned from him, but when it comes to investment, investment strategy, that's, that's mainly me. Even my brother's more operations oriented. I'm really strategic. Um, So I'm, I'm, I'm always going ahead, looking ahead. I'm finding the new opportunity. I'm finding, you know, how, how we're going to generate the revenues and also strategically how to do the contracts, um, how to, um, underwrite the investments. I do do the full, all the underwriting for all the investments and everything. So I'm more on the strategy and finance side of things, and he's more on the operations side of things.
0: So is this uh, the go-forward business? Is Olsen Capital Investment the platform that you believe you're going to run for? Well, you feel like a serial entrepreneur to me, Amariah. Is there something else in the back of your mind that's got a little bit of your attention that you think could be another side hustle turned into a...
1: Well I mean I've always got like about three or four businesses that I'm starting at any given day that are in various stages of completion. So um, right now I'm working on EV charging network. I'm um, strategizing and structuring all the all the big pieces. So I'm structuring the financing, the tax credits um, and the um, you know all the financial, Pieces and puzzles. I'm bringing in all my my partners, which will be, you know, i uh, I've got it. I've got to get a major major off taker that's going to be like probably a Fortune 500 company, and I'm going to use a major brokerage to handle that. Then I'm going to pair that with an insurance contract to guarantee that off take and then I'll pair that with a lender who hopefully prefinance that, and then the, then I've got the money to do the project. But that's one of several projects I'm working on. I'm, I'm heavily focused on that right now because there's so much headwind or I guess tailwind from the Biden administration um, pushing these green initiatives. So it's a business market that is growing at an exponentially fast rate. And most car manufacturers have actually terminated their um, internal combustion engine pipelines and are moving them to electric engines. So the next 10 years, and even I think in, um, European somewhere in the European Union or one of the countries over there just banned also by 2035 gasoline engines. So this huge, huge, huge push, and you can't just like we see at the Federal Reserve with investments, with them raising and lowering rates, completely decimating some markets and building other markets. You can't compete with the Fed, right? No, can't you can't compete with them. So if they're if they're injecting trillions of dollars of of cash into an industry. It kind of makes sense to get in to that and have them, you know, be the tailwind behind your sale. So I'm I'm pretty aggressively pursuing that project right now because it's not a market driven project. And the markets are very volatile. All markets, whether it's real estate or stocks or bonds or what have you. And if you can find a business model in this volatile market, that's guaranteed that's backed by the biggest organization in the world. To the U.S. government, right, right. Then it could make sense. So that's one project I'm working on.
0: Well, and to your point, the it, you know basic business is supply and demand, and the demand for charging stations is about to go through the roof as more of these products come online from the major manufacturers. So it's a uh, the teachable moment here for other entrepreneurs. When you see that basic economic principle at play, then. As I understand what you're saying, there's government incentives and emphasis on what you're trying to build out, which only further helps you right to secure the capital. It's like you
1: have you have you have multiple things. You have you have the fact the market's about to, to take off. So you're gonna be building in a market that's that's going up, plus you have the government behind that market pushing it, and, and you're in the middle of it, and there's gonna be for a little while, there's going to be a supply-demand issue where there's a lot more yes. demand than there is supply. Right, we can come in early and we can help fulfill some of that demand, and we can pair that with some of the government, um, you know, incentives. It could be a good business model. So,
0: right, and then once you create scale, an outside entity is going to want to acquire that because it's easier to buy your infrastructure than build their own.
1: Right. If I I can lock in 100 locations, leases and have it operating, then that's something that's, you know, a larger company could aggregate in a um, mergers and acquisitions deal potentially. So that could that could also be my exit. It could just be a cash flow. It could be a cash flow uh, business and a refinance cash out. There's a lot of different potential exit strategies.
0: I knew there was something else rolling around in there. And I know that's one of the things that you've identified. So there's, if we had more time, I'm sure you could give us some sense for other things that you're doing. I'm wondering, um, over the course of your entrepreneurial career, have you ever developed a, a philosophy or been given some advice by another that you would like to pass on to our audience here today? Some pay it forward, maybe some business advice that has worked for you?
1: Yeah, um, there's so many components to it because a lot of it's psychological because you have to build a framework in your own mind um, to start having successes and you really have to have a positive outlook. You have to believe in yourself completely and you have to be willing to take risk um, because the most expensive expense that you can have is not taking risk because you can't grow without taking risk. Um, so definitely be willing to take risks, but it needs to be very calculated. Um, you know, everything I do is, is heavily um, calculated with mathematics to ensure that it's a success. So it doesn't mean be a gambler, um, but it means it means that get out there and take that risk. And the other thing is, is don't pontificate too much because the cost of pontification far outweighs the cost of a potential problem when taking action. And nothing that you ever design is going to happen in real life like you designed it either. You're, the, the markets aren't going to respond to the product the same. The lenders or the pieces of your structure are going to fall apart mid-process. And so taking action and you know just go, just going ahead and doing whatever it is that you're trying to do is really critical. And then the other thing that... I'm working on personally, which is going to take me to really, to, to, to the, the decamillionaire or the billionaire status is learning how to properly um, collapse time. And I think that's a, a critical component that a lot of smaller entrepreneurs don't understand. They're focused on operations, they're not focused on the intellectual property and part of the intellectual property is, is the fourth dimension and if you can figure out how to eliminate that variable. Or to minimize it that's how you have massive success so that's um that's something i'm personally still working on i can see it i understand it how it's a problem and mm-hmm. i've already designed multiple ways to collapse it but um we'll see how how i do in the next couple of years
0: gee i wish we had a little more time on the program today because you just opened the door to i think a really interesting conversation that maybe Later on, we'll have you back in a few years, and you'll be able to explain it to us what you've been able to do because collapsing time uh, for every entrepreneur, I think sounds like something that could be a game changer. So thank you for at least putting that in our consciousness and. yeah, I just don't
1: don't don't forget that time is more important than return.
0: again, I wish I could delve even deeper. So if someone wants to learn more about you as an entrepreneur, learn from your example, or study you a little bit, or even connect with you, how, how do they do that?
1: Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on um, Instagram. I'm, uh, you know, around wherever. They can go to, to our website and connect directly. Um, so pretty much as long as they have the name there, they should be able to search it on Google. I, um, I was in the film industry for a long time, so there's about 40,000 results on Google for me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that should make it easy to find. Well, this yeah. has been an uh, interesting and fun journey. I appreciate you giving a little bit of your time here to the, me today and to our audience. Thank you very much. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. And I'd like to thank the audience. You've just been a part of Orange County's longest-running business talk show, MRI's episode was episode number 1,419 in our catalog. If you're an Orange County entrepreneur and you have a story to tell and you'd like to share it with our audience, then reach out to me. I'm Rick, R-I-C, Fran, Z-F-R-A-N-Z-I. And uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well, obviously. And that's my website, too. And we can get you scheduled on a future episode. Until our next chance we have to be together, I hope that all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction.